0: Hello trainers, a wild starter quest appeared, a podcast where we look at classic video games through the eyes of a newcomer. I am your host and professor of Pokemon for the Glasgow region, Alessandro Crolla, alongside my super effective partner and the star of this podcast, Jen Hughes.
1: Hey everyone, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well, how are you doing today?
1: Yeah, doing pretty well, doing pretty well.
0: Wait, this is actually the latest we've ever started a recording. It is half ten at night we're starting this.
1: So if I sound like a mumble rapper during this, I deeply apologise.
0: We have got some chocolate in us to kind of give us a wee bit of pep. We thought we'd go full coffee, but that was just a little too far We thought.
1: Yeah, I get little spikes of anxiety, uh, so caffeine will not help that at all.
0: Yeah, I don't want you to be more anxious, so I'm going to start grilling you about why the fuck you've never played Pokemon.
1: Yeah, sorry.
0: Have you been playing anything fun recently?
1: I've been playing a whole lot of Animal Crossing, as usual.
0: Yes, because the update is now out.
1: The update is now out. I'm really pleased. There is a lot more to do in the game, especially with the DLC. I'm having a lot of fun with that too.
0: What's the DLC of the game?
1: It's a sequel to a 3DS game where you design their dream homes. They give you like a premise and you have to design their home for them. It's actually a completely different game. You can bring your villagers over and give them a holiday home
0: what confuses me about this is that you're building a holiday home to get away from their island getaway home that they have on your island
1: it's, they just want more holiday homes <sighs> what's wrong with that they want to they alternate
0: fucking bourgeoisie with two holiday homes oh I don't like living in my exclusive island I have to also have another home on another island for tax purposes <laughs>
1: for tax purposes I'm more gathered that their island home on your island is their home it's their proper home Now they're kind of like thinking, oh yeah, we could go on a holiday home to this place. (laughs) To this other island and lots of little islands. It's a lot of fun designing all their homes for them and a lot more opportunities to express your creativity.
0: Okay, okay, I can go for that, I can go for that.
1: A game I've not been having fun with recently is Word Feud.
0: Yeah, my mum's got you playing that game with her, hasn't she?
1: Yeah, she keeps gupping me by millions and millions of points every time.
0: Yeah, I learned from a very young age to stop playing Scrabble with my mum.
1: I like Scrabble. Scrabble is fun. There's logic to Scrabble.
0: But they're the same game.
1: No. Word Feud is worse. How? There's a whole bunch of words in there that are not words. Zen is not in there. Zen is not in a word, according to Word Feud. But WIFES, not WIVES with a V, WIFES with an F, is you got a whole bunch of absolute bullshit two-letter words that your mom has memorized and uses against me and everyone else she floors every single time yeah and i really don't want to play it anymore but i've got a whole bunch of family who really like it and i don't know how to tell them i want to delete the fucking app <laughs> how about you what have you been playing
0: I finally got my hands on Disco Elysium, which is a very strange story narrative RPG game. It's this miserable world of psychosis that's strangely compelling to fumble through.
1: Yeah, I remember watching you play it and it looks very grey and sad.
0: Speaking of mental trips, you and I did have a wander through the bizarre world of Kid Amnesia last weekend.
1: Yes, that was certainly something.
0: Yeah, it was something. I don't know what that something was.
1: It was very, it was a very dark and horrible place.
0: Yeah, but...
1: At least the music was good.
0: I don't know. It's not my favourite Radiohead album. It's no OK computer.
1: But I think, you know, we got to the point where the game crashed and we decided, yeah, we've completed the game.
0: Yeah, that's good enough for us.
1: Good enough for us, yeah. We've got a good idea of how Tom York's main palace is like (laughs) and we're quite happy to just leave it and never return.
0: I'm just really pissed that I never found optimistic, which is my favorite song off that album. <laughs> so on to our subject of the episode, the wonderful world of Pokemon Firered and Leaf Green yes, and I really have to start this whole chat with one question: How the fuck did you make it to this age and never play a Pokemon game?
1: It wasn't a huge deal for my year group. it must have like passed me by and in- My small village primary school. I don't know if maybe I got to the tail end of it in my childhood. Because it was really huge in the 90s. And then would it not have like tapered off in like the 2000s? The time where it would have been in my radar.
0: That's the thing. In my memory at least. It was huge in the 90s. Huge in the early 2000s. Tapered off a little bit in the mid 2000s. Then huge in the late 2000s. Kind of went a little bit through the doghouse in the 2010s and then is again huge. I don't know at what point you are playing games and all your friends aren't hyped about Diamond and Pearl.
1: See, that's the thing. It's just never interested me, always passed me by. None of my friends really encouraged me to play it. The closest I ever got to Pokemon game, I think I might have held Emerald and Ruby game cartridges in my hands one time, thought they felt quite nice, but I just didn't think to actually put them in my Game Boy and play them. Cause they were my friends and I didn't want to like steal them from him.
0: But that's the mental part. You had a Game Boy Advance, didn't you?
1: I had a Game Boy Advance and I literally used it to play the SpongeBob movie game and that was like it. <laughs> I don't even know what else I played actually. I don't remember.
0: At least we've now got time we can correct this. Cause I have got our hands on two Game Boy Advances.
1: Uh, gonna be a blast from the past. This
0: and you'll be able to play this at completely your own leisure. Yes, so what do you know about Pokemon then?
1: There are hundreds of them. Hundreds, hundreds. Of...
0: If you had to guess, how many do you think there are?
1: I remember hearing the magic word 141, but there's probably even more than that because the game has been around for like decades. So they've no doubt added to, like, you know, the many, many creatures you fit into that one tiny red and white ball.
0: So you think they all go in the one ball?
1: Yes. Unless he puts them in his pockets or, like, in a little bag or something like that. Like Paris Hilton carrying a chihuahua.
2: Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> He's allergic
1: to cats and he's got a kitten in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> you prowl around places catching little creatures and keep them in a pokeball. And you train them to fight with other Pokemon in dog fighting rings. <laughs> Not like no gyms. Uh, you play as Ash Ketchum, the kid in the cap with the dark hair and wears a red, and you desert your poor mother to enter into said illegal Pokemon fighting ring. I also had a bouncy ball as like a three year old with all the Pokemon characters on them Ash, the Ginger Girl, Pikachu, some other one that's probably cute or whatever because they're all cute they looked cool but i didn't know where they were from at that tender young age
0: do you know what pokemon means no it's a portmanteau of two words put together
1: so a poke bowl is uh it's like a rice bowl with like some raw <laughs> vegetables in it and the mon is i'm so sorry i don't know
0: okay 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 do you know what type of game this is?
1: This is an RPG.
0: Yes, it is. Well, I think the more technical genre is called a Monster Tamer RPG.
1: Oh yeah, because you're catching Pokemon and spraying them with a water ball. <laughs> Bad kitty!
0: <laughs> How would you describe an RPG? What is an RPG?
1: An RPG is a role-playing game. RPGs are focused more on story and dialogue with like you know little battles with enemies sprinkled throughout
0: but that sounds also how we described adventure games though so what makes it different from an adventure game
1: um I don't know how to explain it
0: okay okay well think of it this way you've played pen and paper RPGs with me
1: yeah I'm a huge fan of Dungeons and Dragons and Call Cthulhu and World of Darkness
0: if you think about what you have in that sheet, apart from like your name and your race and all that crap, what's the thing that governs what on your sheets and how we play the game?
1: Uh, it's your stats.
0: Yeah. And I think stats is what makes a role-playing game. Because with adventure games, that's all about the story. When we played Secret Monkey Island, the story was the only thing governing it. But you didn't get any better stats. The only thing that really governed progress in that game was the items you got. Mm-hmm. Pokemon and RPGs are always governed by being strong enough to beat the opponents and you get strength by increasing your stats.
1: I think that that's one half to RPGs as far as I've played them. Mm-hmm. The other half is being your character, going about outside of battles, your everyday life.
0: You are right. There is a massive story elements with RPGs So if the adventure game is purely the story side, RPG is usually found with the number side. A lot of games these days have what we call RPG elements, where we take a lot of the stats and put them into action games or shooter games or any other fucking games you want to kind of name. Mm. I'm sure there's a puzzle game out there with RPG elements in there. I don't know the name off the top of my head, but I'll put money on it existing but i think at the absolute core of rpg is always usually a number system Mm. we build a story around that we build a world around that we build everything around this but i think what makes an action game different from an rpg is how much we rely on things like a leveling system so that i think probably puts the best way to explain what an rpg is
1: With your platformers, your level is your place. So you go from level one to level two to level three. And in RPG and games like it, your person, your character is level one, level two, level three.
0: Do you know the famous gaming term we call it when you change levels? Leveling up? Yes. Yeah. Which I have to say, there was a long time ago I wanted to name this podcast the Level Up Podcast. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so it was every, every episode, you're going to level up a little bit.
1: I mean, it's kind of true.
0: <laughs> so do you have any kind of experience in Monster Tamer games then?
1: Um, I don't think this counts right, but I had a Tamagotchi mm-hmm. and it kept dying.
2: <laughs>
1: I was really not a very good owner. Sorry. <laughs> I still have it in my memory box, but it's the battery's dead. Um, as is the animal, <laughs> as is the, the tamagotchi <laughs> rotting inside that little circle, and I also had Nintendo Dogs. I was a huge fan of Nintendo Dogs. It was a, a original DS game, mm-hmm. one of the very first.
0: I never had it, but my girlfriend at the time, when she got her DS, it came with Nintendo Dogs.
1: Yeah, I had three cartridges because I couldn't bear to give any of my dogs away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you expect from Pokemon then?
1: uh i don't know like you go through like all these little battles and stuff but i don't know where they lead you collect like a whole bunch of different kinds of pokemon so like your fire ones your rock ones your poison gas ones
0: so you know about pokemon types yes what difference do you think the types make
1: different powers i suppose
0: what difference do you think the different powers do
1: not me sorry
0: okay okay what do you think the goal of the game is
1: to catch them all
0: okay that's gonna be a real pain in the ass because i've put down a goal in my rules it's probably going to give away what we're doing but i thought you'd know it fuck (laughs) (laughs) that's fine i'll work around it i am now a okay i'm not professional i won't get a single penny for this podcast but i am an enthusiastic amateur in this podcast right then just to know where you stand with this pokemon i'm going to give you a little test how many pokemon can you name off the top of your head
1: so there's Pikachu.
0: Okay, let's just start it for ten.
1: Pikachu! Uh, like a little electric rabbit. Okay. I think it's a rabbit thing anyway. There's Mewtwo.
2: Mewtwo! The
1: cat that talks.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like a little Siamese cat. There's Charizard. <laughs> who's like a big orange dragon. Mm-hmm. There's like little Pikachu, who's like more like a cat than a rabbit, but also like has lightning powers. Pikachu! uh there's like an eevee i know that one because you get that one right at the start of uh smash bros ultimate story mode Mm -hmm. uh there's squirtle squirtle and you know squirtle's like a water pokemon mm-hmm. with like a little flower on his back and he's like his little little four legs stubby little <laughs> legs and he goes <laughs> and then like squishes water at you
0: oh the pokemon nerd in he wants to slap you so hard but <laughs> <laughs> well, continue continue
1: i'm sure there are a lot of pokemon nerds in the audience who also want to slap me which i'm sure i will grovel at your feet in the second half <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> any others you know
1: there's the rock one, who's just like a big floating rock, and I don't know what it's called. It doesn't matter what your name is. And there's the one that's like just a big cloud of poisonous gas.
0: I know you want to ban our national flags, but we're gonna wave you goodbye. There's a question for you then. Do you know the famous thing Pokemon do when they get stronger?
1: Do, oh, they evolve.
0: You know about evolving.
1: I know about evolving. Yeah.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah, so yes, Pokemon evolve. In a way that would really piss off Charles Darwin,
1: because <laughs> it just happens too fast, and it's not about survival of the fittest. It's more about like, hey, I'm going to evolve you now—an arbitrary choice made by man, rather than a choice made by like the chaos of the universe.
0: <laughs> um. Oh God, I don't know how right, to. Right it's really kind of weird. I thought you would know how you test Pokemon, how you test your Pokemon strength in the game.
1: Do you put them in the gym and make them lift?
0: <laughs> Why do you mention gym?
1: Because there's gyms in the game, is there not?
0: And what do you do at the gyms? Do you know?
1: Well, I'm imagining you train your Pokemon, like you know, with some eighties music, and <laughs> and like you know, you just like they're on like the treadmill and lifting weights and shit. I don't know. <laughs> you expect me to know more about this game than what i do I really it do, completely yeah. remember it went right over my head when i was when i was in primary school and beyond it's a cultural thing i have heard about but i've not engaged with it much closer than that
0: it's so weird because i'm not even the biggest pokemon fan okay that's not fair as a kid i fucking loved pokemon of course they did in the late 90s everyone played pokemon mm I had, like, Pokemon Red and then Pokemon Yellow. When I first got a Game Boy Color, it was with Pokemon Yellow. And yet I already had a copy of Pokemon Red that was given by a friend. Right. I played through those. I played through Gold. And that kind of came away from the franchise for a little bit. Came back when my girlfriend at the time was really into Pokemon. But, sadly, I've badly gone off Pokemon.
1: Oh, yeah? Why?
0: I was halfway through Pokemon White. And... In a way that will not spoil to you, but will probably make sense to the listener, I was 7 eighths through the game when I just sat up and realised that I had no idea what any of the Pokemon in my team were called. I couldn't tell you what they looked like. They were just all levels and types. All intricacies of Pokemon had left me at that point and I just realised I'd stopped having fun Mm. and I've never picked up a Pokemon game since. That's not actually true. I did play a little bit of Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, but that was because they've done something different to what they normally do. The idea of just playing a regular Pokemon these games just doesn't excite me because I know they've not really evolved. (laughs) Ironically ironically, they've not really evolved much (laughs) in the 20 years I've been playing them. Nothing really changes in Pokemon from game to game for me to ever feel like I need to come back. I just wish they would just do a bit more with the formula.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been going for twenty years. You gotta shake some stuff up.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: One thing I remember hearing about was uh, I don't know which game it is because apparently they're all the same. Where in the like you're in the grasslands or wherever you hit a random square and you'll just be like straight in a fight with a Pokemon you already have or don't want and you're kind of stuck there. You can't just like run away from the fight you have to keep going through with it and apparently it's super annoying
0: Hmm, that is something that happens and i don't think it's happened in the way you're quite explaining it so again it's one of these things that'll make a lot more sense to you in their second half
1: yes i
0: i think for this episode i'm not really going to bother questioning you if you know the company that makes pokemon i don't think there's much fun about asking you about a game developer that's Change their name to The Pokemon Company.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I guess. I
0: I don't think there's really much I can ask you about (laughs) them otherwise.
1: Yeah, I guess you're right there.
0: First off, we have to talk about the first choice you make in every Pokemon game. Now, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but the start of every game, you have to choose what your starter is going to be.
1: Ah, what Pokemon you start with.
0: Yeah. Do you know what famously the choice is always between?
1: Is Eevee one of them? No. Is Pikachu one of them?
0: Not in the original games. There is one game where Pikachu is your starter, but that was like a special edition one. But it's always between a grass type, a fire type, and a water type. Every Pokemon game starts this way. It's a choice you make at the start of every game, except I'm lying. What? The choice you make at the start of every Pokemon game is the version. Oh. Fire Red or Leaf Green? Make your choice.
1: Um, I like the colour green best, so I'm going to go for Leaf Green.
0: Certainly. So you're going to be playing Leaf Green?
1: So I play both games separately. There are the two separate games.
0: Not really. The only thing that's different between these is there's some Pokemon that's exclusive to your game and some Pokemon's exclusive to my game. Otherwise, they are exactly the same game.
1: So why sell two different games?
0: The original idea behind it was to encourage friends to come together because you can't get all Pokemon by yourself. You need to come together with your friends and play it together. Ah. I think now in real practice, though, it's so they could sell two copies.
1: I mean, that also makes sense.
0: And two Nintendos so you can trade them between each other.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, you give your friend a shot on one of your games, but you don't want it, you know, in your good games, so you give them the spare one.
0: Yeah, that's the only reason why earlier I said I had Pokemon Red before I actually owned a Game Boy. (laughs) Everyone has that one prick friend that has all the consoles. My one did have both copies and gave me one just so I could get the other Pokemon because he was playing through blue.
1: (laughs) Selfish altruism.
0: Before we get started, I have to own up. We're actually playing remakes of the original games that came out for the Game Boy Color. I want to play these games to post the original for a few reasons. I feel that these games are just rebuilds of the original games, but with more modernization than what the franchise is like right now, which I think is much more fun to play. It allows you to pick the gender of your character, which you can pick between being a boy or a girl.
1: Oh, nice. That's good.
0: And these games serve as the best starting point of the franchise for today.
1: So what do you mean by that?
0: We measure Pokemon games by generations. The first games that came out for Game Boy Color were Generation 1. The sequels to those games were Generation 2. And the one that we're playing is called Generation 3. Okay. With Generation 3, they made the decision that you couldn't transfer a Pokemon over from Generations 1 and 2. Since then, they have made it so you can carry a Pokemon from Generation 3 all the way up to the games of today. Really? Yes. There's a whole chain of transfer that has to go through. You have to take it from three to four, four to five, five to the online server, I think. And then from the online server, you can get it into other games. But if you really get into Pokemon, there's a Pokemon is game you particularly love, you could still be using it in Pokemon games of today.
1: Wow, that's really cool.
0: So if we start with Fire Red and Leaf Green, it gives you that better jumping off point if you really want to get into Pokemon.
1: So I can take the Pokemon I like best on the perilous journey from leaf green to whatever game i decide to play exactly so does that include the pictures one because that one actually does look quite good
0: no it's only of the rpg games
1: ah right so the new one which my friend amila has been pestering me to get it so we can play on it together Mm -hmm. could i take the ones i like best from leaf green to that game
0: the problem with the pokemon games is that they've been going for so long they're now at the point where they can't put Every Pokemon in every game. Oh. So there's kind of just a chosen roster they get to go through. So if it's in the roster of approved Pokemon, then yes.
1: So complete with like all their stats and everything that you Correct. worked hard. Wow, that's pretty cool. It'll
0: have the same stats, it'll have the same moves, it'll have the same abilities that it had from this game.
1: That's really cool, actually.
0: So, as you can guess, you're going to be playing through Pokemon Green. Yes. I'm going to play through Red. Brilliant. Now... Without giving away too much, I'm going to base the Pokemon I start with as the one that gives your Pokemon an advantage. Right, okay. I won't explain more than that. You'll see when we start playing the game. Okay. This will be one of the few games where I think we're fine to play it separately. I'll help you get started, but I think once you're started, you don't really need me to play through the game. Okay. So you'll play through your own copy in your own time. I'll play through my copy in my own time. That way, if you want to get all Pokemon, we can trade together. Or if you want to battle me, you can battle me and you have an advantage against me.
1: Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Sandro.
0: Again, using that metric I used earlier, expecting you to do everything in this game is a bit of a tall order. So I think to really start our conversation, you need to get to that 8 out of 8 point that I was alluding to earlier so we could have a good discussion about the game. But if you go on to get to the credits after that, that'll be the best point. Okay. And that's still, even seeing the credits of the game is still not completing it completely.
1: But then is there not like with quite a few games where you've got, you know, you've completed the story mode, but you've got like a whole bunch of other like, you know, stuff you can do after you finish the story.
0: Exactly. So if you can at least get through the story, that would put us in the best position for the second half.
1: Ah, gotcha. Brilliant. So
0: you're also getting this as well. This is your new Game Boy Advance SP
1: nice i
0: say new i bought a second hand on ebay
1: i mean it's as close to new as we're gonna get
0: yeah pretty much so you have your version yes you have your Game Boy vance yep are you ready to begin your pokemon adventure yeah okay let's get started welcome back we have now completed pokemon through the credits and even a bit after that
1: it only took me a hundred hours
0: yeah yeah eight weeks it took us to get through this game very very slow in our defense we did have christmas to go through but we didn't get a lot of gaming done through that and in january we've been moving house and decorating we didn't have a lot of time to play pokemon around this month Lessons have been learned, though, and I think if we're ever going to take a big gap like this again, we'll probably have a bonus episode to put in between them. So, what are your immediate thoughts on the game?
1: It's fun, but it took me a little while to get on board with it.
0: Yeah, it it definitely starts very muddy and difficult.
1: Yeah, the characters, especially, you know, once you're out the tutorial, kind of feel a bit like animatronics.
0: Yeah, like they are robots designed to say something when you speak to them
1: yeah bootleg westworld
0: yeah there is a great observation i've always heard about pokemon which is that there's nobody in the world of these games that just doesn't give a fuck about pokemon when we talk about rpgs especially some of the older rpgs you'd have these towns where every building has a function and there's nothing in the town that just is world building but you can always write that off the fact there's no school there's no hospital there's no city council room because it's medieval fantasy you can write that off to the most part However, when it comes to... Pokemon is very much designed to look like it's based in the modern world.
1: Yeah, which is like... You won't need all of those buildings. You won't need the hospital or the school or whatever. But because RPGs can do a lot more nowadays, you can just add them as a building that's there that you don't really use. I think it's hardware limitations more than anything.
0: Hardware limitations is also the fact that it's just that simplistic design clashing with modern sensibilities. Yeah. It's the idea that in this game you'll see a car but you'll never see a mechanic.
1: That's very true. Or a bicycle costs like a million dollars.
0: Yes, you get free healthcare for the Pokemon, but bicycles cost a million yes. po- Poke dollars.
1: Yes, Poke dollars.
0: That's that's the currency of Poke dollars. I have absolutely no idea how schooling works in the world of Pokemon.
1: <laughs> yeah, like maybe you read little storybooks with Pokemon in them. I don't think they even have school. They just like roam around just rolling around the grass or whatever the I don't know (laughs) like what do they do like they just like wander aimlessly
0: there is no existence in Pokemon other than Pokemon so don't get to see what school is for you're never going to be a banker you're never going to be a doctor we live in a perfect society where all we have to do is Pokemon
1: yeah, I mean, even the criminals do Pokemon. <laughs> Especially the criminals do Pokemon.
0: I think you can now see, that now we've played the game, why I wanted to steer clear talking about RPGs as being story-based.
1: Yeah, I mean, I probably said that because I don't focus on the stats at all. And I actually didn't really think about the stats or paid much attention to them until I got to, like, just before the Pokemon Championships, which I'll, I'll get into a little bit later on.
0: True. With this game, the stats don't really matter as much as the level does.
1: Yeah, the level does matter. Very much matters.
0: But on the flip side, the story is also kind of nothing.
1: I think that's a little bit unfair to say that. The story is very simplistic. Your character's motivation is very clear.
0: I, I don't know. I just think no one picks up Pokemon to go, I wonder what the story of this game is.
1: That's very true. But what I will say is that there's some interesting uses of the format of the game to tell a story.
0: Okay, we'll, we'll get into it a bit later. Before we get started on that, I just want to get you up to speed with the history of Pokemon. Not so much the entire history, just everything going up to the release of this game.
1: Just as much as I need to know for now.
0: The only thing I have to go back to explain is the creation of Pokemon, which is attributed to a man called Satoshi Tajiri. He based the Pokemon games on his childhood love for collecting bugs. As he gets older, His local town gets more urbanised, so the bugs go and he gets into video games instead. And he starts a fanzine called Game Freak.
1: Who made Pokemon before they became the Pokemon company.
0: Yeah. The thing about Game Freak is that it was game fans who had a history of coding, talking about games. Eventually they got the idea of making their own games and that led to Pokemon.
1: See, it's interesting you mention about Tajiri catching bugs and bug collecting through his childhood and then losing that to urbanisation. That's how the game progresses. In the early stages of the game especially, you will come across a lot of children who catch bugs.
0: Yeah, that's his childhood being remembered.
1: But as you go forward, you lose that sort of thing. You still catch Pokemon that are based on animals, but you don't get any bugs.
0: True. I mean, very much the second half of that game, a lot of it takes place in cities yes and a lot of the dungeons you get in the later half are more things like the power plant the pokemon mansion yeah so i there actually is something kind of to that that's actually really translate in the work do you now know what pokemon stands for
1: pocket monster
0: good girl yes pocket monsters originally were going to be called Capumon for capsule monsters but i think that was already something else and they had to change it to pocket monsters instead
1: Ah, I mean, you do put a Pokeball in your pocket, so I guess that makes sense. The
0: idea being that it was supposed to be like a capsule ball. You know those kind of machines you get where you spin the thing, when a capsule comes out, it's got a toy inside? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, I know the ones. They appear in Shenmue.
0: Yeah. I've seen
1: gameplay of Shenmue.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Are we ever going to do Shenmue? That's a fucking good question.
1: If you guys want us to do Shenmue, we'll do Shenmue. We shall endure it. Like, Sandra, you had a horrible time playing it.
0: (sighs) I had a horrible, horrible time in that game
1: hey my lunch
0: yeah if we ever want to go about trying to find fucking sailors then yeah. <laughs> so that gives you an idea as to what came into the idea of pokemon as a whole the creation of fire red and leaf green specifically goes back to that thing i was talking about in the first half where when they released pokemon ruby and sapphire which were the generation three games they removed the ability to trade over pokemon from gen one and gen two backwards compatibility we call it You couldn't trade over Pokemon from the old games, which meant that excluding the returning Pokemon that went into Ruby and Sapphire, a lot of old Pokemon were going to be lost. As far as I can see, this was done due to a hardware issue where the Game Boy Color and the Game Boy Advance couldn't technologically talk to each other.
1: My more cynical approach was money, but before we started recording, you talked me around on that.
0: Yeah, because Pokemon games very strangely never depreciate in price. A copy of Fire Red and Leaf Green will still sell for quite a lot because of the backwards compatibility. People to this day still want to get copies to take their Pokemon and the journey from that game to the modern games. While there has been remakes along the way, there's always been a few Pokemon that never got re-released and only could get in very particular versions.
1: And I guess you get all these super fans who will buy all the older games so they could catch them all.
0: Yes. I have a funny story about that. Every generation has its mythical Pokemon that you cannot get in the game but is designed to be in the game. First generation it was Mew, second generation it was Celebi, and the third generation was Jirachi.
1: What's Jirachi?
0: It's this little kind of like star looking Pokemon. There was no way to officially get it in the game. The only way you could get that Pokemon was through another game called Pokemon Channel, a fucking awful game that you're designed to play over a week because it's on the gamecube and it has the built-in clock what i did was i got a copy played through it of the did the first day stuff put the clock forward and did the second day stuff and played the entire game over six hours and it's, it literally is just watching stuff you don't not really much gameplay to it just so i could get the jirachi at the end
1: that's quite sad actually
0: it, it is sad i was a teenager and i did have a girlfriend and that's my defense <laughs>
1: I mean, to be fair, that's kind of what being a teenager is all about.
0: So, because they removed backwards compatibility, when they released Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire on the Game Boy Advance, they also announced they'd be releasing the Game Boy Color games of Pokemon Red and Green that came out in 1996.
1: Or Red and Blue in the West. Yeah,
0: they changed red and green to red and blue in the West just to fall in line with that red v blue mentality that's very common in western countries
1: see i find that quite interesting because yeah that's a thing that's absolutely a thing but red and green are complementary colors Mm -hmm. so like complementary colors being opposites weirdly enough
0: and when it came to doing the third generation though that became ruby and sapphire the red jewel and the blue jewel
1: it's interesting that they decided oh man this backward compatibility thing at the moment is a fucking nightmare so what we're going to do is just wipe the slate clean, take the stuff that we like from those games, and just simplify it for everyone.
0: Yeah, it allowed them to work around getting not only the Generation 1 Pokemon back in the franchise, but through sprinkling in some of the Generation 2 Pokemon into Fire Red and Leaf Green, some into Ruby and Sapphire, and then some into a really awful GameCube game called Pokemon Coliseum, you could catch all... 250 pokemon from the old games into the third generation
1: what made pokemon coliseum so bad
0: <sighs> right pokemon coliseum was their first attempt to make 3d main console pokemon rpg games everyone was so hyped for the idea but when the games came out they were painfully slow you know how in the game when a pokemon does an attack it lasts about a second this animation their animations take about five or six seconds. And every fight in the game is a two v2 battle.
1: And you can feel those five or six seconds.
0: Oh by God, it is disgustingly slow. Not helped by the fact that to get a very rare Pokemon in the game, you had to be a hundred trainers in this tower. That I managed to do and I goddamn fucking hated it.
1: Oh you poor dear.
0: That's how dedicated I was to get all these old Pokemon back in the game. Right. So with the Generation 3 remakes, they took the Gen 1 games and put in features from Generations 2 and 3. Right. With Generation 2, they introduced the Steel and Dark types and introduced Pokemon genders. With Generation 3, they introduced Pokemon abilities and doing 2v2 battles. Yeah. So when it came to doing Fire and Leaf Green... They're kind of considered to be the ultimate version of the original game. Hence, why I wanted to do them rather than the original red and blue.
1: Yeah, because it's those Fire Red and Leaf Green are kind of like they've got the best of both worlds. They've got like the new stuff they've added and the old stuff they've taken from the old games.
0: Yeah, exactly. Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green was directed by Junichi Masuda. He was the composer for the original games, who has now climbed the company ranks into being a full-blown director he's been directing the main series games even up until today
1: wow that's pretty cool
0: special shout out has to go to a returning name on this podcast good old shigeru miyamoto
1: oh yeah the mario guy
0: who helped game freak with their original pitch to nintendo and mentored them with bad advice
1: bad advice
0: yeah he suggested that pokemon shouldn't have been an rpg he thought pokemon should have just been about the catching
1: right that's interesting
0: i know I, I can't imagine what this game would have been like if it didn't have the rpg elements
1: yeah like what would the story be would it be like another mario where like pikachu or whoever or the trainer just jumps about and just that's it
0: i think it'd be more about catching and just you'd only get to advance when you've caught enough pokemon to get to the next level
1: oh yeah that sounds quite boring doesn't it
0: it does it's it's such a different type of game i can't imagine it. Thankfully, they ignored him.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's made lots of great calls over the years. Telling Game Freak not to make Pokémon an RPG was certainly not one of them.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I can't imagine Pokémon being as big if it wasn't an RPG. And you have to remember, Pokémon was massive in its day.
1: Oh yeah, I've heard. I mean, I say that it passed me by. I was aware of Pokémon, it was a cultural thing. It wasn't until, like, you know, I grew older and had access to the internet that I fully realised just how huge Pokemon was.
0: Oh, yeah. And part of that is because of how fun those Game Boy games were, especially with trading. However, I do think a lot of that also goes to the anime.
1: The characters on that ball I had when I was free were all, they were the anime
0: characters. Exactly. And I think the anime goes a big way into giving Pokemon its appeal. That anime is in a class of its own when it comes to video game cartoons. Why is that? What other video game cartoons of the era? Like Mario, Sonic, Pac-Man, the crappy Zelda one. The
1: crappy Zelda one? That wasn't the CDI games or whatever they're called?
0: Well, excuse me, princess. <laughs> that
1: one. Yeah, that one.
0: And Earthworm Jim, which I do say last because it was the funniest video game cartoon of the 90s. And I will not back down from that stance. With all those cartoons, they just told stories using the characters from the video game. So you would see Mario, you would see Luigi, and they would fight Bowser, to save Princess Peach, but they wouldn't ever run by the video game logic. Mario didn't get mushrooms to get bigger. He didn't get the fire flower to throw fireballs. Sonic wasn't collecting rings. If you watch the Earthworm Jim cartoon, you'll just really learn the names of the characters and nothing else about how the game is played. Pokemon was different. Pokemon's anime works to the same rules of the video game.
1: In my mind's eye, I can see how the Pokemon battles would have worked in the cartoon.
0: In the Pokemon anime, the entire storyline is retelling the events of the video game. It's more dramatic storylines added in. But for the most part, the rules of the video game applied to the anime. It was Ash Ketchum going from town to town, collecting Pokemon to win the gym badges. Ash would call out moves that his Pokemon would perform, which for the most part worked exactly the same way. Pokemon types were a real issue in the canon of the show. For example, Pikachu had a very hard time getting the Boulder badge because it was a rock type gym.
1: Yeah, we'll get more into weaknesses and stuff later, but electric Pokemon are very weak to ground Pokemon.
0: Yeah, and that... Was not only recognized in the anime, but there was actually a storyline. By watching the anime, you understood how the world of Pokemon worked in the video game. I can't say that's the same for any other cartoon. Of course, there were some examples where they cheat the systems of the game. Ash's Pikachu knew about seven or eight moves, and they could do a thing was like dodge it and then use this, which you can't do in the games.
1: Probably to make it more interesting.
0: To make it more exciting to watch, absolutely. But for the most part, a lot of the same rules of the game were followed.
1: So the cartoons from Yu-Gi-Oh! and Digimon probably followed a similar
0: structure? Not Digimon. Digimon actually, very funnily enough, we talked about it in the first half, Digimon was created to be a male counterpart to Tamagotchi. It's the same company that makes them. Really?
1: Really. I had no idea. I thought it was more similar to Pokemon than Tamagotchis.
0: Digimon was actually designed to be a version of Tamagotchis that could battle to appeal more to boys.
1: Or girls who didn't really care about looking after the Tamagotchis and just wanted to fight shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh on the other hand, that kind of has the same effect because yeah, it's all about the card game, but the original rules of the card game are not the rules of Yu-Gi-Oh. If anything, between... The first major story arcs of the Yu Gi Oh! anime, the rules change to more better reflect the real rules of the card game.
1: Ah, uh, okay. Right, we're getting off into a tiny bit of a tangent. We are, but I
0: just wanted to just explain as to what gave Pokemon its appeal. Yeah. I don't think the Pokemon video games get as big without that anime, and I don't think that Pokemon anime gets as big without those video games.
1: So like a symbiotic relationship, if you will.
0: It was an absolute media blitz. Then you fold in the cards and you can just see how bonkers the world went for Pokemon for a while. So
1: you're not able to get the video games. You've got like the anime and the card games. If you don't like the cartoon, you've got the cards and the video game. If you just like don't care about the anime and the video games, you can just collect Pokemon cards and appreciate the horde you've accumulated.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's just... There are so many ways to get into Pokemon, you couldn't blame all these kids who got into Pokemon.
1: Mm-hmm. So, should we get into the story and gameplay of the Pokemon game now we've given a whole bunch of context?
0: I think now, yeah, we should start getting into the game.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Because Fire Red and Leaf Green was designed to be a real starting point for fans, you probably picked this up. It is incredibly newbie friendly.
1: Yeah, actually it is. The game starts off with a tutorial addressing you, the player. Not like your character, because you choose your character after you're told what buttons to press and everything. You also have an option to press the left and right trigger buttons, either or, to get help when you're stuck. Yeah. I mean, not everyone could get a hold of Nintendo Power <laughs> the <laughs> seminal text of video game anything yep or yep. the internet
0: yeah it's it's very much designed to bring in new players quick side tangent we're now back to the nes controls it's just up down left right a b start and select the only thing what different from the nes is the L and R buttons
1: yes which are pretty useful actually like not for any moves or anything but you're stuck you can just press the left or right trigger button and you just ask the game help me
0: yeah it's it's good because it does give you some of the fighting tips including tips for how to fight different types of pokemon
1: so what types are weak to what what types don't affect those types
0: yeah every pokemon has a type and every type has a weakness fire is weak to water water is weak to grass and electric. Grass Pokemon are weak to fire and ice. Every Pokemon has a weakness to a type. With the help in the games, if you want to remind yourself, oh, what's fire weak to? You press the left button and in a list there, it'll tell you what everything that fire Pokemon are weak to.
1: The real beauty of Pokemon for me is that you can fight however you want. Mm -hmm. You can choose whatever Pokemon you like best. And fit your fighting style around that. How you fight your Pokemon, whether you want to take a more attack approach, you know, just attack everything, Cobra Kai, strike fast, strike first, no mercy approach, Mm -hmm. or whether you want to play more strategically to like bring down your opponent's attack or defense or speed stats. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. yours the stats effects you can do to give you an advantage. You put them to sleep, for example. You can give your Pokemon buffs, you can give your opponents debuffs.
1: So what are buffs and debuffs?
0: In video games whenever you increase your stats temporarily it's called a buff. Whenever you decrease someone else's stats temporarily it's called a debuff.
1: So you can play along those lines if you want. If you've got Pokemon that you like best you're well within your right to keep that within your roster regardless of who your opponent is and build your team kind of around them or just have the ones you like best in your roster, types be damned.
0: Yep, absolutely. Anyway, getting back to the game. Getting back to the game. Once you're through that tutorial, the game opens and it's Professor Oak standing there, introducing you to the world of Pokemon. That's also the point of the game where you pick your gender and you pick your name.
1: Yeah, he just forgets that, that he knows you and has known you for a good few years and yet forgets what your gender is and forgets what your name is.
0: Yeah. Obviously, I named myself Sandro, Jen named herself Jet.
1: Yes, obviously.
0: Traditionally, the male character is called Red, and the female character is called Leaf.
1: Right. Those are kind of rubbish names. Who names their child Leaf? Oh wait, no. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Leif Erikson being the Viking that discovered America. Nah, never mind. <laughs>
0: then, at the exact same breath, he introduces you to his grandson.
1: He is your rival and is a dick to you throughout the game. There's points where he helps you just because, like, you know, he feels like it.
0: And he goes, uh, what's his name again?
1: His own grandson. He forgets his name, his own grandson. So you have to choose his name for him. And uh, you took advantage of that.
0: Yes, I did take advantage of it because, you know, I know this game quite well and I know what he's like. So I went ahead and called him Wanker.
1: <laughs> yeah, apparently Wankstein didn't fit. No, I did not. <laughs> you only get, like, for your naming things, including yourself, your rival, and your Pokemon, you only get a certain amount of characters.
0: Yeah, there's a character limit.
1: I named my rival after my friend Emil. The fact that usually after each part in the game, you fight with Emil. <laughs> you fight with your rival. I'll just call him Emil. Like, yeah. that's who he is. <laughs>
0: Traditionally, he is normally referred to as blue. So you've got red, blue, and leaf. However, I think for this episode, I'd rather call him Emile.
1: Yeah. When I was playing the game, he was Emile. Yes. <laughs> through
0: Names decided. You're then getting in what is the start of the game. In the Pokemon world, you are now old enough to be a trainer. And this is you going on your Pokemon adventure.
1: You start off in time. You wake up in your bed in your home. And you go down the stairs and you see your mother just sitting at the dining room table, staring into space.
0: She's watching... No, she's looking away from the TV.
1: The TV's on in the background, but, like, she's not watching it. You go down and talk to your mum. If you decide to talk to your mum at all, you can't just fuck off and, like, leave her to stare into nothing. Yes. And she says, All girls dream of travelling. It said so on TV.
0: That's such a weird light.
1: It's such a weird light and it's one of the only things you hear your mother say in the whole game. She does that and gives you a letter and some running shoes and you never hear from her again. Yep. <laughs> so you really do abandon your poor mother.
0: Interesting thing though. Do you get why it's Pallet Town? No. You go through Viridian City, Pewter City, Cerulean City, Lavender Town, Fuchsia City. These are all Types of colours.
1: Palette being what you put the colours on.
0: Yes, it's the start. It's the empty palette.
1: That's super interesting.
0: Yeah, that's part of the naming convention of the game.
1: And like, you know, coming back to like the colours.
0: Now, you have to pick your starter. And like I said in the first half, it's a choice between the grass type Bulbasaur, the fire type Charmander and the water type Squirtle.
1: Now... I have given myself my thirty lashings for making the mistake in the first half of the episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you are confusing squirtle for ivysaur.
1: No, I made a strange abomination between squirtle and ivysaur. I think you will find.
0: No, you you, you described Ivysaur to a T, you just called it Squirtle.
1: Wait, so that's get, like the thing you can fire you can fire water as well?
0: Oh wait, no, that was wrong, yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just me that gets things wrong. <laughs> But yeah, Squirtle is the one who vomits up water. Yes. He just spews water all over you. Mm -hmm. So yes, I chose Squirtle.
0: Yeah, you chose Squirtle for your starter. The water type with the plants on its back on four legs.
1: Yes, that one. An arm grown out of its back.
0: (laughs) Because in the first half, I kind of endeavoured to pick the one that gives an advantage. That meant I started with Charmander.
1: Because Emil got second dibs, Despite being Professor Oak's grandson, he chose Bulbasaur.
0: Your rival's always designed to pick the one that has an advantage against you. Mm -hmm. So because you chose water, he chose grass. And because I chose fire, he chose water. My friend is adamant that the start of the Pokemon game is a very subtle difficulty choice. Okay. The first few gems you take on, Bulbasaur has a type advantage. Rock Pokemon are weak to grass. Water Pokemon are weak to grass. And electric moves are not very effective against grass.
1: So I ended up, I think, did I? I didn't have too hard a time with Squirtle though.
0: Yes, Squirtle has a type advantage to the first gem and he's alright in the second. Because it's a Grok gem again, water has the advantage to rock. And in the water gem, water moves are not effective against water. So that's considered the medium difficulty. The hardest difficulty is the fire Pokemon, who is weak to rock and is weak to water
1: yeah you chose the most difficult one because yes. you are the epicest of epic gamers
0: that be said i do not subscribe to his thinking because if you know how to play pokemon you can get a fighting type very early in the game that helps you with the rock pokemon and an electric type to help you with the water gym also the viridian forest right at the start of the game is piss easy with a fire type yes Looking at the starter types, as a kid, I absolutely loved Bulbasaur. He was my favourite. As a grown-ass man, though, I have to say that Charizard is the best of the three. Why is that? Fire Pokemon are always traditionally the Pokemon that are the hardest to find. You'll get grass Pokemon and water Pokemon falling out your nose in the game. But a good fire type is always a rare thing to come to.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: But with Pokemon in hand, we're now starting your Pokemon adventure. I tried not to really sit by your side in much of this podcast, so you did a lot of it yourself. Although I did have to talk you through catching your very first Ratata, which is the first Pokemon you caught.
1: If the name doesn't imply it, a ratata is a rat.
0: Yes. He is the first Pokemon to ever win the common Pokemon phrase of being Vector Trash.
1: I did not see that term
0: no it's not a term in the game we in the community refer to pokemon like that as vector trash
1: oh yeah that's why i didn't see it
0: they're very common they're very shit and no one uses them in high level play yeah yes i had to talk you through how to catch that instead of even though in the game there's an old man who teaches you how to catch pokemon who i'll tell you this in the original versions he broke the game really yes have you ever heard of missing no Missing there was a famous glitch in the original games who through the game's code would appear because of this old man. There's a weird glitch in the game that would trigger because the game is showing you how to catch a Pokemon it goes into a battle screen changes your sprite to the old man sprite and changes your name just to say old man because it has to put your name into old man for a short time it saves your name somewhere else in the data After to just put it back though your name is still in the wrong place And you can make it cause a glitch to make Missing No appear.
1: So Missing No, the Pokemon?
0: The non-existent Pokemon, yes.
1: And it's just a blank space that does nothing.
0: It's actually like a garbled sprite, I'll show you. Who's
1: that Pokemon? It looks like something from Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. In like the games, or for those who haven't played very much Five Nights at Freddy's, the purple guy that appears in all these videos, MatPat videos... Yeah.
0: Yes, that's...
1: So if you look it up at home, I hope you'll see where I come from by that. It looks horrifying.
0: Yes, that's missing though. It only exists by a quirk of computing. You know how a computer always counts by 256?
1: Uh, I didn't until now.
0: 256 is the most a computer can count in a byte. Because there's only 151 Pokemon, you kind of need to put something in the other spots to fill the roster of bytes so after the 151 the rest were filled with missing no
1: wait there's a whole like realm within the Pokemon games that are just missing no's
0: yeah like there's essentially there's 105 missing no's in the original game
1: that's that's a very interesting theory Pat theorize this
0: it's not a theory that's just a fact of code you no i know
1: it's a fact of code but like matt will find some sort of creepy game theory narrative in there
0: oh do not get me wrong this game has plenty of creepy creepypastas to do with missing though and about some of the other places in this game but we'll get into that when we get there
1: yeah we'll get to it when we get to it
0: from the old man you go through viridian forest and you end up in pewter city this is where you get to your first gym battle against Brock.
1: Brock with the boulder badge and the ground type Pokemon.
0: Yes, so we're not here to go and lift (laughs) (laughs) Brock.
1: 80s music not included, but pretty good game music though.
0: What what do you think of the music of the game?
1: It's pretty fun, pretty evocative of the different things you go to. The theme you get when you ride your bike, someone gives you a voucher so you don't have to pay a million pounds for a bike. It's like super breezy and it's it sounds kind of like i don't know i get vivaldi's spring vibes
0: i'm very kind of to and fro in music in that game i do kind of love it it's very iconic for its time i know a lot of these musics off the top of my head again all that music appears in the anime yeah usually in the same context but there's a lot of it where i listen to and i just find it's not very well themed in what way like Remember how we talked about Monkey Island? All the music has a bit of a Caribbean theme to it. It was kind of designed to all sound like you're on a fantasy island. It has, and with Mario, it has this calypso theme to its music. And that's what Pokemon doesn't have. Is a great musical theme, as in like a great kind of like theming to its music. Not, yeah, not, yeah. Not the main theme itself, which I will say is a goddamn classic.
1: It's not got the same, like, evocative nature. There's a lot of songs in major keys where you're just cutting about from town to town, especially the bike song that I mentioned earlier. Mm. But in the Pokemon battles, it's all in minor key and it's all super intense. like... <laughs> that sort of thing. But there were points where, like, I didn't have the music volume up very often because... You hear the battle theme a lot.
0: You do. You absolutely do.
1: It's the same battle theme, regardless of what type of Pokemon you're fighting and who you're fighting. There's variations of it. You get, like, your gym leaders and the pokey Champions. Yeah, but it's not, for me, it's not enough of a variation to justify having the volume up. True. Oh my god. Like, the ba- oh, it's battle. Oh, a fucking battle it's stuck in my head even now. I want to erase it from my brain. If it wasn't for overplay, it would be fine.
0: How did you find taking on the gym leader of Brock?
1: I found it probably a bit too easy.
0: You would have with your water type, yeah?
1: Yeah, I found Brock too easy. And I'll be honest, I don't have much to say about a lot of the gym leaders. Because they do have distinct personalities and different types. I just... Don't know what I can say about them.
0: Yeah, the small characterization. Things. You do
1: get there is characterization in there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that every single one of them are the same. It's just a lot of their story beats are similar, and you don't really get much from them outside the battles
0: exactly they exist for the 10 minutes it takes to get through that gym yeah and then they never exist again
1: may as well not exist again like they're still in the town you know and part of that town but you don't really have much of a need to go back to them
0: i know so I, th- I think we're not going to talk so much about the gym leaders themselves as we did about the types yeah you having a water type made this gym very easy for you
1: Yeah, far too easy.
0: It was a struggle for me. I had to actually do a bit of power levelling.
1: So power levelling, you know, montage music of you going about the grass picking fights with all the animals.
0: Exactly, just fighting animals until I'm tough enough to go back and beat the fight.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: Everything but the montage music. Now we're out of Pewter City. We go through Mount Moon and you have your first encounter with Team Rocket. What are your thoughts on Team Rocket?
1: There is points where I thought kind of want to join team rocket they're they're cool they're cool guys you get sometimes you kind of want to try being a bit wicked and a bit evil (laughs) and i was at that point with that game actually my opinion changed on that for a reason i'll get into later
0: oh you're gonna have fun when it gets time to do in mass effect
1: i'm looking forward to it (laughs) mass effect being the game where you can like fuck everyone like captain kirk
0: (laughs) to boldly go where no man has gone before cock first (laughs)
1: that's that's star trek that is a uh, captain kirk
0: after your first encounter with team rocket we get to cerulean city and through the water Gym in misty how'd you get on at the water Gym?
1: water Gym. um i think i managed to find a pikachu which thank god i had one electric type at that point that's pretty cool
0: yeah it's, it's actually quite weird cerulean city is probably one of the hardest points of the game you have to go through a fight with your rival emil And then you have to go through Misty, the gym leader. But you don't really get the best amount of time to train. So you have to kind of get up a lot of levels from Mount Moon to now.
1: I think because I spent a bunch of time catching a lot of Pokemon, I had a better time with Misty. Mm -hmm. Misty was fine. But I imagine that people who haven't done that and have kind of like ended up kind of just speeding through things will have a much more limited roster.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, if you don't fight Misty straight away, you can go up north, go through, like, the the trainer bridge, fight another member of Team Rocket, and then you go find the Poképerv Bill.
1: The <laughs> Poképerv is the right term.
0: He's the guy who finds he's fused himself with a Pokémon. And he needs your help to unfuse himself.
1: Oh my god, that is like Frankensteinian horrible.
0: Yeah, that is never mentioned again in the franchise, as far as I know. Yeah,
1: it's just like, yeah, we've got like, you know, some sort of the fly abomination thing happening, and you, a 10 year old, has to try and help him and turn him back into a human. Yes. What? We're just gonna casually, yeah, that's fine, yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah, you get your ticket to the SSN.
1: You, you go through a quick trip, going through every single room, stealing money from the guests. Yes,
0: you beat up all the guests, steal their items, and you get given a special move by the captain for giving him a back rub. Wink, wink.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's. we're not going to think about that too much. It's quite interesting. I, the player, am supposed to be the good guy, and Team Rocket are the bad guys, but Throughout the game, I'm going about fighting kids and stealing their lunch money through the medium of Pokemon. Like, I'm not beating them up myself, but my Pokemon are beating up their Pokemon, and so they give me money. And then I go about the SSN through every room, stealing their money, and I'm still the good guy at the time i thought well maybe me and team rocket have more in common than what we think you know how you get those like you know villain monologues where Mm. they're like we're not so different after all (laughs) that's how i felt (laughs) was i the villain all along
0: i don't in pokemon it's agreed that if you lose a fight you have to pay
1: yeah it's an etiquette thing that i missed
0: it's a strange world where endorse gambling and dogfighting, i guess
1: <laughs> as we go on through the game yeah kind of come round to and understand the society that we live in and there are reasons why the way team rocket operate are bad and the way we operate are good yes but at the start of the game when i am basically an alien i don't know this and as far as i'm concerned I'm stealing money from children.
0: <laughs> Getting off the SSN, we again get to the third gym, which is Lieutenant Surge and the Thunder Gym. How did you get on with the electric Pokemon of Lieutenant Sonichu?
1: Well, before I went to fight Lieutenant Surge, I went to the Diglett Cave. Yes. Now, in that cave, you can catch a little mole thing called a Diglett.
0: Yes. So surprisingly is- enough, you get Diglets in a Diglett Cave.
1: Yeah. Or dog trios.
0: So the ground Pokemon then helps you a lot with Lieutenant Surge.
1: I think I also caught a whole bunch of other ground Pokemon. I mentioned this earlier on, the Floaty Rock guy. The Floaty Rock guy is called Geodude and he's got like big strong arms as well as being a Floaty Rock thing. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty strong Pokemon. I caught True as well, which has a really good defense. Yeah, I use Sand Attack a whole bunch. And that's what Andrew the Sandshrew had.
0: <laughs> you nicknamed all your Pokemon. I don't think you said
1: this Not yet. all of them. There were some that I could come up with funny nicknames for, like Myrtle the Squirtle, mm-hmm. Andrew the Sandshrew, Sonita the Panita, uh, you know, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. I never nickname my Pokemon. I always keep it the same. There There's was- some
1: Pokemon you can't make rhyming names for, which is very annoying. I found other naming conventions for them. Yes. So I found a way.
0: We kept a list of all the Pokemon that were exclusive to your game and the ones that were exclusive to my game. And whenever I was giving you one, I'd always make sure I had a nickname. Yeah. My favourite being the Psyduck I gave you, which I called Boris.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was quite funny. One of the first Pokemon I caught was a little Caterpillar thing called a Weedle Mm. and I named it Mary Jane. Yes. I was very pleased with that name, even though it's (laughs) probably not that funny. Especially when it evolved into a bee drill, like a, a wasp. <laughs> That's the problem with those naming conventions is when the Pokemon evolve, it makes no sense.
0: A weed and smoking person. Now yeah, wasp works, wasp works.
1: <laughs> oh, W-A-S-P. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very slow, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> and yet you saved the name Jen Jr. for the drowsy and not the slowpoke.
1: Yes. I know it was a grave mistake having said that the drowsy's got like a little like trunk and he points his finger or she or they points their finger and he's got like a wee angry face it's very funny and I thought yes it's me (laughs) (laughs) ha 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 it's me
0: so third badge in hand we go through the flash tunnel onto Lavender Town now this is probably the most iconic music in the game outside of the battle themes is the Lavender Town theme
1: yeah, I have actually heard the Lavender Town theme.
0: Oh God, it's used in Creepy Pasta. It's used. I, I I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube about true horror. Which just fascinates me. And the amount of people that use Lavender Town as a great generic creepy music is just. It, it's so famous that the music itself has an urban legend about it. All right. The original version in the Japanese game was a lot higher pitched. They forget a that. Da- da 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 is a lot higher pitch Mm. there's always been a massive urban legend that the reason they changed the music was because the original version was causing headaches and or suicides
1: I think I've heard of that
0: that complete urban legend it only got changed because it was a bit too loud you want to take the volume down on it a little bit there's no evidence that this music ever caused anyone a headache
1: I mean, come on, guys, the music's not that bad. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I think it's actually my favourite theme in the whole game.
0: Uh, yeah, it's probably the most iconic
1: It evokes the mood of the town really well. It's kind of a weird, scary place, especially when we get to the Pokémon Tower. I was watching a JonTron video about bootleg Pokémon games, and you know he was talking about lavender town where the pokemon actually die and i thought oh that's a creepy so that's not actually in the game Does- no it's actually in the game and uh, team rocket are one of the people that they kill pokemon yes. like not just faint right which i thought was oh yeah that's just a euphemism you know for the kids pokemon can actually die and when I found out that Team Rocket are responsible for a whole bunch of those deaths, I suddenly stopped wanting to join them. Yeah. Can't think why. <laughs> There's a reason somewhere.
0: Through Lavender Town, you go through another other tunnel and you end up in Celadon City.
1: Which I keep getting Celadon and Cerulean City mixed up. Yeah. Because they're very similar words.
0: Yes. Celadon's the one that's got the department store and the game centre that has the slots.
1: So, yes, it has a very big casino, which is run by Team Rocket.
0: Yeah, you go through it and you have to kind of oust Team Rocket from the casino.
1: Yes. And you also, like, when you're you're trying to work the slot machines, I don't think you absolutely have to do the slot machines.
0: You don't. I did, though. I spent a good six hours with you and your family on Christmas Eve. As you guys were all watching, like, Christmas movies, I was sitting there trying to get 9,999 coins in the slot machines. So I could get Porygon.
1: What's Porygon?
0: It's a Pokemon you can only get from the slot machines. It's...
1: Is that the one? I think I might have fought that one before. It's like... It looks like three razors combined into one.
0: Yes, that's exactly the one. Again, very interestingly, this Pokemon has been banned from the anime. Why? Have you ever heard of a Pokemon episode that caused seizures?
1: Yeah, I've heard of that. Like, it, they'd had this episode in The Simpsons where they went to Japan... Watched Pokemon episode and they all got a seizure.
0: Yes. Now, that episode was about Porygon. However, the person that caused the seizures was Pikachu. The episode has been completely banned. It's never been aired again. And they've never allowed Porygon back on the anime ever since. You've never seen another trainer that's had a Polygon. Porygon's been given evolutions now and they've never appeared in the anime. They've completely ousted Porygon from the anime.
1: So what you're saying is porygon got prosecuted for a crime that pikachu committed yes poor bastard
0: i know and that's why i had to get the coins (laughs) because i will not (laughs) let the memory of porygon die like the anime wants us to
1: i tried the slot machines i managed to get an abra the other pokemon you get are from the slot machines you can catch but it's a bit easier to get them in the slot machines i use the term easier loosely because the slot machines are a real grind and a complete waste of money, in my opinion. Oh,
0: God. Genuinely, six hours I spent on Christmas Eve just playing those slots just to get that goddamn polygon.
1: Those are six hours you will never get back.
0: They'll never get them back. So that moment got me to dig out my game Shark Thief. It still works. Sadly, it doesn't. Yeah. That's one thing from the hideout, though, is that it's your very first time you actually come across Giovanni, the leader of Team Rocket. Like a fucking course he's called Giovanni. Yeah, he's Italian. It's the Mafia, of course. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's the Pokemon Mafia. Duh.
0: How did you find the big bastard?
1: Probably had more character out of, like, the gym leader slash bosses. And he tries to, like, do, like, the villain speech where he's like, come join us. You've got more in common than us than you think. And by this point, I'd found out that they actually kill Pokemon and exploit them for money. And I'm like, nah, I'm I'm good, thanks. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Speaking of gym leaders, you now go on to fight the fourth gym leader in Erika and her grass Pokemon.
1: Who? Nah no, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> Honestly, she is who. The- if I had to name all of the gym leaders, she'll probably be the one I remember last.
1: Her gym does look quite interesting, though, because at some point earlier on in the game, you learn a move called cut, mm-hmm. which allows you to cut down certain trees, like mm-hmm. the little tiny spindly ones it's like a barrier you can get past her gym has a whole bunch of them a lot one thing that we've not mentioned actually is a lot of the pokemon gyms especially as you go on the game are kind of like mazes where you have to fight regulars of those gyms
0: yeah it's a way to help level up your pokemon before the gym battle
1: yeah they are a lot more challenging so even if like you know you don't defeat all their pokemon in one battle you still Increase your stats with every Pokemon you
0: fight. For the most part, you can get to the gym leader without doing a single fight.
1: Like Brock, you don't really have to do... It's not very mazey. you just go up and fight him.
0: There's some that you only have to fight one or two, but for the most part, there's a way to get to the gym leaders and try and do as few fights as you can, if you want to. Mm -hmm. How did you actually find fighting Erika's grass Pokemon?
1: I'm actually trying to remember how I fought.
0: You would have probably had your Growlithe by this point.
1: Yeah, I had Growlithe, which she named after my dog. Your mum's dog. Yeah, my mum's dog, yeah. Casper. Yeah. Then uh, Casper grew into an Arcanine, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, just a jacked up, beefy boy Growlithe.
0: Yes, very good fire type.
1: Really good fire type, yeah. But I couldn't catch one in my game.
0: No, he's exclusive to mine. You had Vulpix. It was exclusive to yours?
1: Yeah, Vulpix was sweet, but I never really used her. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what I called her. No, I called her Kimchi, because Kimchi's spicy. Yes. So I think it was mostly Casper that did the legwork.
0: Yeah, because Wartortle was useless in this gym.
1: Yeah, it was about this point where I kind of kept Myrtle... By now, she was a Blastoise. God lover. She was useless in, in Erika's gym, but she was also far too high a level for training with the surrounding Pokemon to actually be challenging. Because she was so op or overpowered i kind of left her in the what's it called again the little machine you keep your reserves in the box the box yeah i kept her in the box for a good bit you've got a thing where you want to keep your starter out all the time
0: yeah I i never didn't have that i have a thing in my game my starter never leaves my main roster
1: yeah my starter did start in the final battle and played a really important role in that but i just thought no i want to train up some of my other ones first
0: you're not wrong for doing that i've got to the point of this game where i recognize the easiest way to play it Mm -hmm. and that is to kind of pick six pokemon stick with them never switch them off and level them up each to be the same level you will always beat the game with that six assuming it's a varied enough team
1: yeah i i went the long road in the sense that i wanted to kind of like try out loads of different pokemon and see what ones i like best
0: see that's how you're supposed to play it this is why i think pokemon is one of the weaker monster tamer games they don't encourage you to switch off your team the way that a lot of other games do for example in digimon to get the strongest digimon you have to at some point put your main team into reserve and train up a reserve team Mm -hmm. pokemon Mm -hmm. get stronger the more you use them so the smartest option to do is to keep using the same Pokemon and train nothing else.
1: But what I will say is that there comes a point in the game where you're at a certain, you know, town or city where the trainers and the wild Pokemon you fight are too low level for it to be fun.
0: Yes, that's another problem with the game. If you want to keep the fights fun and competitive, you're not gonna get that if you're using the same sex.
1: And also there are some of the Pokemon you get at the start which are actually not great in the later points in the game. Oh yeah. Like Mary Jane, even after she fully evolved, wasn't all that good. There are Pokemon who could do what she could do better.
0: I think we both had the same problem that we trained our Diglett up. We both realized about the eighth gym that our Doug trios were a bit too weak to take into the end game point. Which, Great
1: um, for everything else
0: though. I think it was about the time that my Doug Trio clapped out in the fire gym that I realised he's just kind of a bit weak, but we'll get there. Once you have your both gym badge though. You actually enter a very weird part of the game where you're not going to get a gym badge for quite a while. You're going to do a lot of other story quests.
1: So, like, you know, you've got the main plot of becoming Pokemon Trainer and side plots.
0: The side plot mostly of Foiling Team Rocket.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: You go to Lavender Town and you climb the Pokemon Tower and you also run into your rival again at the tower. But there's always been another weird urban legend that the reason that your rival is in the... Pokemon Tower is to bury his Raticate that you killed on the SSN. No! It's complete bollocks.
1: Thank God it's complete bollocks because I feel bad. I don't want to kill Pokemon.
0: He has a Raticate in his team up until the SSN, and after the SSN, he stops using it.
1: Having said that, the Raticate, there comes a point where it's not great in battle. Yes. But it's great for, like, say you want to get about in parts of the game. There are points where you need to cut down a tree or dig your way out of a dungeon or move some rocks or smash some rocks. Yeah. The Raticate's quite good for that. Yeah, but, but not much else.
0: Exactly. He obviously switched it out because it's weak. It's supreme bullshit of course. But it's just another great example of how Lavender Town has just birthed so many weird urban legends.
1: It's an interesting one, because I'm gonna do this in a minute, but finding story within a game that's you know, not get huge amounts of story. Five Nights at Freddy's for example the game is just getting through the night without animatronics coming and killing you. There is story like within there, but when you play the game, it's not obvious. It looks really simplistic, but Scott cawthorn has got a story in mind and he's been rolling with it to see where his yeah. crazy muse takes him.
0: Yeah, let's see how long it takes us to get fucking Five minutes at Freddy's in this goddamn podcast. Spoiler, it will not be for a very, very, very long time or a cold day in hell.
1: I have actually played 5 nights at Freddy's. I found it too stressful. Got to night 2, hated it, never set foot near it again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But the Matt Pat videos are pretty good.
0: Yeah. Matt Pat makes that game sound a lot more interesting than it actually is.
1: Yeah. So, climbing the tower, I this is a story thing that is told through the confines of your Pokémon battles. Mm-hmm. You climb the tower, And you come across these Pokemon called Ghastly and Haunter, Mm -hmm. which are your ghost type Pokemon.
0: Yes. Ghastly and his evolution chain are the only ghost Pokemon in the original game.
1: And they basically haunt the graveyard. They are ghost Pokemon. You also in parts of the game you got like, you know, people, trainers that you fought on your way to different places. The Pokemon tower is something similar, but they're psychics and their Pokemon That they use, use inadvertent commas, are ghastlies and haunters. Mm -hmm. And after you've defeated those, they don't know where they are. They don't know who you are. They don't remember what's actually happened because these Pokemon have possessed them.
0: Yes, these, if I'm not mistaken, these trainers are called Chandlers.
1: Channelers, because there's psychic ones there as well. But, yes. No, these are channelers mm-hmm. who, you know, the ghosts have possessed them. And I thought that was an incredibly interesting thing to do. Mm. There is also, you get to the top of the tower and you come across a Pokemon called Marowak.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She's kind of like a meerkat. It wears a skull on its head as a kind of helmet. Yeah. And it's a ground type. Mm -hmm. me thinking oh brilliant a pokemon i've not seen before i'll catch it you can't catch it no but you defeat it and then you've got after that i go further up into the team rocket grunts Mm -hmm. who hold an old man called mr fuji Mm -hmm. hostage Mm -hmm. you being team rockets enemy number one defeat them all and free mr fuji mr fuji tells you that the Marowak you fought was Cubone's mother. Team Rocket guys held her son, the Cubone, hostage, which is like a Marowak, but like like a baby. Mm-hmm. By defeating those guys, you have freed her. She's done her unfinished business and she's free to go to Pokemon Heaven.
0: Yep, that's just a very small... You are right when you said it's a very unfair... The clearing that there's no story in Pokemon. That's a very great small story that's just told just through Lavender Town.
1: It's told through the gameplay, obviously no Mm cutscenes, but I think it's very clever how that story is told within a game that is supposed to have no story.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Once you're done, Mr. Fuji awards you the Pokeflute.
1: Which helps you wake up. If your Pokemon are put to sleep, not in the the yes. euthanasia way
0: if they're affected by the status effect called sleep
1: so you know just midway through a battle they're they're tired and have a snooze the poker flute can wake your pokemon up
0: it was originally just put in there though to wake up a pokemon that's blocking your way which is a snorlax
1: yeah the snorlax is a pokemon he is like a big lovable furry bear totoro
0: yes and- you did call totoro
1: I call, I call him Totoro yeah. and he's just snoozing, living his best life, you know Baloo the Baron, but less active. Mm. You wake it up with this poke flute and it hates you for it and it tries to it, you enter into battle with it.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what's like every time I wake you up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. My spirit animal, quite honestly. <laughs> but it's got some really good moves. It's quite easy to underestimate him because he's a sleepy boy. But oh, has some really good moves. He has
0: one of the best defense and health stats in the entire game. Yeah. So he is a bastard to take takedown. On to Fuchsia City, which is best known for the Pokemon Safari. The Pokemon Safari contained a Pokemon which it took me and my friend an entire year to finally catch in the original game. The, both of us together had all 149 Pokemon. We didn't have Mew. And for the life of us, we could not catch a Tauros. What is a Tauros? It's like a bull Pokemon, but it has three tails.
1: Going through the safari, the rules are different. Mm -hmm. What you can, it comes up the same as, like, you know, a battle, except for the fact you can only do four things. Mm -hmm. You can't use any of your Pokemon. You have to just either throw a rock at it to anger it, Mm -hmm. throw some food at it to bait it over, Mm -hmm. throw a Pokeball at it to just catch it, Mm -hmm. or run. Yes. That's all you can do.
0: The mechanic here is that when you throw bait at it, it makes it hard to the catch but less likely to run away When you throw a rock at it, it makes it easier to catch but more likely to run away
1: but you don't have to do the safari i don't think
0: you do have to go through it to get an item but you don't have to catch anything there yeah but there's a lot of rare pokemon there
1: so we highly advise you go through you go through and catch as many as you can
0: yeah I, some of my favorite pokemon are in the pokemon safari yeah Back onto this game though. I know you're at the Future City, you're at a very weird point in the game. You're too low level to take out the gym, both here and up in between Celadon and Lavender called Saffron City, which you've now been able to finally get into.
1: Which has another uh, Team Rocket related mission.
0: Yeah, because you're too low level to take out either of the gyms, the best thing to do is to go and fight up to free the Sylph Company.
1: Which are overtaken by Team Rocket.
0: Yes. this is like 13 floors... You go through them all to take out Team Rocket grunts and free the building from Team Rocket.
1: Once you've done that, you are gifted what's called the Master Ball. Yes. Which you're guaranteed to catch any Pokemon at all with it. Yeah. But you only get one.
0: Only one in every game.
1: So just don't use it, basically.
0: Yeah, I I never use mine.
1: It's like you won't be able to get it back after you've used it. And a lot of the time, your Ultra Pokeballs are just fine
0: once you're out of the silph co you can now go and take the two gym leaders on first in fuchsia city with the poison gym leader koga who ha- is uh
1: he's like a kind of ninja guy
0: yes did you have any problem with his poison pokemon
1: um i think because i had a few poison pokemon of my own or pe or i actually managed to i caught a, i actually caught a haunter and evolved it into Gengar. Mm-hmm. It's pretty hardy. Yes. A lot of moves aren't effective on it and it has a poison move. Yeah.
0: I imagine you also used it in the Psychic Gym afterwards.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think I remember using it. My time with Gengar was kind of brief because there came a point where he just wasn't quite as effective. But he was really good for that part of the game.
0: Uh, That's a shame. He is a great Pokemon if you can really train him properly.
1: Yeah, I couldn't train him properly. I kind of gave up, sadly. But he's still there.
0: Yeah, I will be using Psychic and Ghost types that will get you through both the Poison Gym and then Sabrina up in the Psychic Gym in Saffron City. This gives you everything you need now to get to the Cinnabar Island. After beating these gym leaders, you get the ability to surf, which means you can now ride Pokemon through water.
1: Yeah, it's certain water Pokemon can learn this move. I didn't use Myrtle for this move, I chose a different water Pokemon. Because Mortal had some good moves. I didn't know what surf was like. I didn't want to risk it. It's
0: a shame. I have to say, I hate the HMs. Absolutely hate them. They are a very cumbersome way to lock off progress in the game. But of all the HMs, surf is the one that I will happily teach to my main team.
1: I'll come back to those. I taught my surf one at first to a low level fish Pokemon called Sea Mm -hmm. which I named Sushi. Mm -hmm. Of course I did. Yep. And. Sushi got me across to Cinnabar Island and helped me fight some swimmers that were there. They somehow had money in their pockets despite only wearing swimsuits.
0: Yeah, I, I wonder where they're keeping that money.
1: I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it got me across to Cinnabar Island. It wasn't until later on when I used Sushi in fights that I realised Surf is an amazing move. Oh yeah, it is. It is a really good move to use in a fight. You use it in certain Pokemon, like any ground Pokemon at all. Any level, it'll take it down.
0: Yeah. I think there's a there's a weird problem in this game. that A lot of the rock Pokemon are also ground types, which means that they all have a double weakness to water. When a type is weak, it does double damage, essentially, right? If ground is weak, it does double damage. If water is weak, it does double damage. So if you have a ground rock type, it does quadruple damage.
1: It means that, you know, your rock, dragon, worm thing, onyx, huge, big, towering thing. Yeah can be bested in a battle by a bit of water and a fish. Yep, yep. It doesn't make any sense, but for mechanics of the game, fine.
0: Yeah, that's the rules of the game.
1: Suspension of disbelief and all that.
0: Getting through that cave, you then get to Cinnabar Island, which has the Poke Mansion on it. You didn't explore much of the Poke Mansion, did you?
1: Because it was mostly just full of, like, dirt and rats.
0: That's a shame, because there's notebooks everywhere that explains... The history of finding Mew and cloning it into Mewtwo.
1: Ah, oh, see, I didn't know that. The way it portrays the setting and how abandoned the mansion is is the rat Pokemon, like Rattata and Raticate, as well as like Pokemon that are just gunk and slime. And the poisonous, gassed ones, coughing and wheezing, very apt in this time. Not only are they called Coughing and wheezing, they also look like the coronavirus.
0: <laughs> Coughing especially looks like a uh, image of COVID. I'm fairly certain that's a meme I've seen before.
1: Oh, someone will have come up with that meme already, but I just wanted to say it because I like to think I'm funny.
0: Mm-hmm. Coming out of the mansion though, then you're into Blaine and his fire gem.
1: Yeah, Myrtle evolved from a uh, war which is already. Tanked up version of Squirtle to Blastoise, which is a tanked up version of War Turtle with little tusks that look like guns for some reason.
0: No, that's not tusks, those are actual cannons on its back.
1: It looks like tusks. Makes no anatomical sense, but she was roidied up to the max, and because fire is weak to water, I brought her and a few of the water type gang along to defeat Blaine from the fire gym.
0: It's once you're out of this gym, though, you get to a series of islands called the Sevi Islands, or as I like to call them, the George Lucas Isles.
1: Why have you called them the George Lucas Isles?
0: Because they're all about fucking retconning the game. <laughs> you're always meant to put Pokemon breeding in the game, it's just now on these isles. And here's the Pokemon move reminder, and here is the part where you use Rock Smash, And here's the part where Greedo shoots first. It's just all this stuff that's about putting the Generation 2 and 3 games back into Generation 1 that weren't there originally.
1: I mean, it does work out quite well, to be honest. The islands are creatively named, and this is some, like, really epic shit. One, two, and three.
0: Yeah, they've not tried hard to add these islands to the game. They've done the bare amount of work to get them in.
1: I mean, at this point, like, you know, they've kind of ran out of steam and they've looked at the placeholders and gone, yeah, that sounds about right. Fuck it. Yeah. Get it out there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on this. It's literally just a whole side tangent. I think the only bit you want to bring up, though, is on the third island.
1: The third island is my favourite, one of my favourite parts of the storytelling in Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Go to one of the houses in the island and you meet a guy. What's his name again? Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Um john doe we'll call him Mm -hmm. and john doe tells you that his oh no my daughter has gone missing in the forest and i don't know where she is
0: and what's her name
1: lost l lost l i mean who names their Wayne that you know just asking for trouble and so you decide right okay fine i'll help you find your child you should have been able to find it on your own but sure rely on this child to do it for you And so you go in the forest, you fight like, you know, a few other wild Pokemon. You get to the center of the forest and there is Lost El sitting there like Snow White, completely helpless. The Pokemon that you fight is called a Hypno. Yes. Which is plot twist and evolution of drowsy yes made me regret naming my <laughs> my drowsy jen jr <laughs> so you fight him catch him because of course i was going to catch the bloody thing i named it darren after darren brown
2: mm-hmm.
1: Pro, i think it was female but again gender's construct i looked at the the little story notes each pokemon has some like little story notes and background about it In it's
0: pokedex yeah
1: In it's pokedex it says that it's well known for kidnapping children.
0: Yep. There's a Pokemon in a later game called Driftloon that in its Pokédex entry always talks about how it lures children away into the sky never to be seen again.
1: Yeah, and basically the Hypno does like a similar thing where it lures children away because it's got hypnosis powers. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's quite like a fairy tale-esque type tale, like Hansel and Gretel type thing which I found like really interesting that you defeat this monster and capture it as well. Yeah. And then I, can, I could use Darren in my post-game things because it's actually quite a good Pokemon.
0: As long as you keep him away from my son who kidnaps <laughs> the fur. <laughs> Off these aisles and back onto the actual story of the game.
1: You've been able to level up the Pokemon you've taken with you, which is pretty yes. cool.
0: And we're going to go back to Viridian City from the start of the game to hit the 8th gym. And this is where you get the surprise twist that the 8th gym leader is Giovanni the entire time.
1: What a twist!
0: What a twist. At this point you got him because you still have a very good water Pokemon, I guess.
1: Yeah, I've got like a pretty solid team by this point. Mm -hmm. The A team, if you will.
0: And he then, because you beat him, he disbands Team Rocket.
1: Yeah, like I beat him at three fights and then he decides, yeah, I'm just going to dismantle my criminal empire now. Because this 10-year-old beat me in a fight and I'm pretty embarrassed about it.
0: Except Team Rocket don't actually stop.
1: They don't stop, but, you know, post-game they kind of find out that, oh my God, it's been disbanded the whole time. What?
0: Yeah, but they come back in gold and silver.
1: So they replace the Mafia don, then? Yes. They kill Giovanni and replace him with someone else who is less likely to get gubbed by a 10-year-old.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Except, <laughs> except the new leader also gets gubbed by a 10-year-old.
1: Yeah spoiler alert
0: by ruby and sapphire they had new evil teams yeah but you now have your eight gem badges this is the point where i actually was ready to start recording the podcast but i think we decided that we should just keep pushing on and get through the indigo plateau Mm -hmm. before you did so though i did recommend you go out and find the three legendary birds
1: non-binary icons by the way they are the only pokemon in the game that don't have a gender
0: there are others
1: yeah they were very hard to catch the problem as with legendary Pokemon is that if you can't catch them, they're gone forever.
0: Yes, you get one shot.
1: So what you should do if you want to catch the legendary Pokemon, you save the game just when you're standing in front of them and then that way you don't have to go through the whole thing of finding them. You don't catch it, switch off the game and you'll get to the point where you're standing in front of them again.
0: Yeah, you just restart the game, load your save and you get another shot at trying. Yeah. Every game has its legendary Pokemon. These are probably the easiest ones to catch because especially with the second generation that had the three legendary dogs, the minute they got into a fight with one of them, they would run away. Really? Yeah, so you either use your Master Ball or you had to find a way to trap it so it couldn't run away.
1: Ah, right, that's interesting. With the birds, you get fire, ice, and electric.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you remember their names?
1: Um. Arcuno's the ice one, Bruno, of course, and Zapdos is the electric, Mm -hmm. and I don't remember what I named Moltres. and I don't think I gave, I didn't give the other two a name, but Arcuno was Bruno, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty difficult to catch, but incredibly handy, as I've said.
0: Mm -hmm. I like to catch legendary birds, but I never use them. I never use legendary Pokemon. They are always very, very powerful. But that makes them very easy if you use them.
1: Yeah, it does make the game because you don't want to make things too easy for yourself. Mm
0: -hmm. You go through the victory road and end up at the Indigo Plateau, which is the final four trainers that between you and the champion. Who were your team that you took into this?
1: I took Myrtle the Blastoise, my eldest child, Mm -hmm. Zapdos and Arcuno, two legendary birds, Casper the Arcanine. Fire Dog. Magic Mike, the Alakazam. This kind of like bony rabbit thing with psychic powers. Mm-hmm. Really, really good moves that can like wipe out an opponent in one go. And Totoro, my beloved Starmax.
0: Mm-hmm. For me, I brought in my Charizard, my big fire dragon. Poliwrath, who's this big beefy water type. With a Did spiral on its tummy. A big spiral on its tummy, yep. Tangler. It's this weird grass type that looks like it's kind of peering out from a hedge. Scyther, the bug type that's got big kind of scythes for hands. Hypno that we discussed before. And Electrode, who is a essentially looks like a Pokeball, but it's this big electric kind of ball that shocks people.
1: I fought some of those in the power plant where mm-hmm. I got Zapdos. Mm-hmm. And they have a bad habit of blowing themselves up.
0: They do. It's such a pain in the ass.
1: So that's the beauty of it. We started at the same time, mm-hmm. but we both took different journeys and fought with different Pokemon in different ways. And we've come out with completely different Pokemon in our set for the championship.
0: Yeah. Taking on the Elite Four then. First off, you've got Lorelei the Ice Trainer.
1: She's actually the most difficult one.
0: I think it was. You had a bad luck because your Zapdos New Thunder... And you kept missing the thunder moves.
1: It was really annoying. I was getting really frustrated. I was a bawhead away for throwing my Game Boy across the room.
0: Thankfully you persevered and got through it. Then onto Bruno the Fighting Trainer. He has a lot of rock Pokemon and fighting Pokemon and you have both the Pokemon to kick their asses.
1: And a lot of retro throwback pop songs.
0: Agatha the Ghost Trainer.
1: Mm-hmm. She is super condescending.
0: She's a bit of a pain in the ass, but there's a weird screw up in this game. That all the ghost types are also poison types, which means that all the ghost types have a weakness to psychic.
1: Magic Mike wiped the floor with her Pokemon. Like, I'm pretty sure he took them on single-handedly.
0: And finally, Lance the Dragon Tamer.
1: Who is supposed to be the most difficult, Mm -hmm. but I had the right types, I'm pretty sure, so he was quite straightforward.
0: Your Zapdos with his Thunder really helped with that one.
1: This is when Thunder worked. Mm Mm-hmm and it sure did work it's a really really good move if you've got an electric pokemon get thunder
0: i'm always someone who prefers a move with 100 percent accuracy over a move with 70 percent accuracy i'll always take the guaranteed hit for lesser damage than the possible miss
1: mm. i mean yeah look at what happened to me when i first used thunder
0: i tried hard to not let it slip that lance and his bastard and dragonite were not the last fight of the game for your right to be champion there was one last trainer you had to fight the new champion who's just been crowned and yeah it's a meal it's obviously a meal it's
1: of course it's fucking a meal
0: honestly easiest fight of the five
1: because you've already thought on loads of times before you know what pokemon he uses
0: it's also the fact is that because the elite four all have a certain theme you only use about three or four different pokemon to fight their five with your rival at this point, you've got such a varied team that it's very easy just to be able to kick his ass with every Pokemon he throws out.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's also got a very varied team too.
0: True, but by this point, you've got a team that counters his very well. Yeah. The last Pokemon he used against you was a Gyarados, and you switched out to your Zapdos. You used Thunder. I saw the Thunder move went through, and I literally said at that point was, and you've became champion. Like, no, no, I don't know what's going to happen. I was like, Jen... He's a water type and a flying type. That's quadruple damage for thunder moves. You have just became champion. And yeah, it boomed in one hit.
1: Yeah. There was something quite satisfying about it. Your rival he finds any excuse to fight with you. So after each stage, you'll fight Emil. And there are points where like he'll just help you. And that kinda made me wonder, is he like that much of a dick? He's got like an attitude. And he uses it as a defence mechanism mm. because his grandfather favours you over him. That's because he's a dick though. No, but there's a reason why he's a dick.
0: Yeah, right. so you're saying that he's a dick because Oak neglects him. Yes. I say Oak neglects him because he's a dick.
1: No, I genuinely think that there is like a bit of a sibling dynamic between you and the rival. You've grown up together, but... You're not related.
0: It says at the start that he's been your rival ever since you were born.
1: Yeah, and it's probably... Like, when you're a newborn baby. You don't know you're supposed to have a rival. They were raised that way. They were raised to be rivals. Mm. And there's, I think there's an element of your rival who's, you know, maybe kind of wants to be your friend but doesn't feel like they can. So they'll be a dick to you because they feel like they have to. Yeah. There's... Questions to be asked of why the adults are doing that to their kids. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I was really hoping for, like, originally as your enemy, but then you become friends at the end and you kind of don't.
0: No, you don't. Which is
1: really disappointing, actually.
0: He was a dick at the start of the game, he's a dick at the end of the game, and no one fucking goes through a journey in this game.
1: Yeah, I think one of the main disadvantages of the Pokemon game I've played is that you as a player, you get stronger and more confident over time but none of the other characters change and out all the characters to have some sort of arc it's your rival Mm -hmm. and he doesn't and that kind of fucks me off a bit
0: giovanni has more of an arc than your rival does
1: yeah i mean giovanni's arc is not exactly a face turn no but it's more like a complete fucking wuss turn
0: yes it's a let's stop being a dick turn
1: yeah like hmm this child keeps beating me maybe i should like stop trying to best a child because i am an adult (laughs) but still not like why does he dismantle his criminal empire just because of you the whole thing with you your players get very much chosen one energy right you know where i'm coming from like harry potter is the chosen one and always will be gryffindor is Always Dumbledore's favourite house. So they get points all the fucking time, right? Very much those vibes. At the same time, that's part of the experience. You want to be the Pokemon champion. You want to be special, you know? Why would you want to play a video game and escape to somewhere you're not made to feel free?
0: True. All that being said, though, you do now stand as being the champion of the region.
1: I did start getting a bit arrogant about that in post game stuff. Yeah, not gonna lie
0: you go through the hall of fame which is a really kind of like fun way to celebrate with the six book one you went through yeah I think you just holding up your game boy with the hall of fame on there just put that on the twitter
1: yeah it's also on my instagram genju's writing mm-hmm. I, I've managed to go three episodes without doing a shameless self plug I guess that's what being the pokemon champion has done to me <laughs> flex hair
0: so how does it feel to be champ
1: Yes, very satisfying. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I feel special.
0: (laughs) Of course, this isn't the end of the game. You unlock the prequel section of the George Lucas Isles to get more stuff for the game.
1: You unlock the original trilogy. (laughs) Four, five, and six.
0: Yes. Sadly, also seven, which doesn't really involve George Lucas. But you know what? Joking in there. Disney Island. And then you also can go to the Cerulean Cave and find the highest level Pokemon in the game of Mewtwo.
1: Who I've not found yet.
0: Yeah, something for you to do if you ever want to go back to the game. Yeah. I'm guessing from that then, you can then say that you had a good time with the world of Pokemon.
1: I had a good time with it. Like, it's not perfect. There are some storytelling things that... I'm someone who's a writer. As you can tell, I have spent my time in games, especially with RPGs, ignoring stats Mm -hmm. in favour of characterization, world building, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why I love Animal Crossing so much is because of the dialogue. That's why at the start of the episodes I said, yeah, it's a bit story and world building with little fights thrown in. Because that's how I see, I've been seeing RPGs all this time. Mm -hmm. But for what it is, Pokemon's pretty good. I can't compare it to the other Pokemon games yet. Yet. But it's pretty accessible to new players. If you're willing to get like a secondhand Game Boy and a copy of the game, I think it's worth your time.
0: It must feel good now that you can start understanding half of the Pokemon memes you always stumble across.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: If there's one thing you have to find out about this, and we'll probably watch this tonight over dinner, is a documentary about Twitch Plays Pokemon, which has became the motherlode of Pokemon memes. All right. Twitch Plays Pokemon was something that happened on Twitch about eight years ago or so. Mm. Someone had found a way to make it that you could play Pokemon Red through the Twitch chat. So everyone who's watching the stream was controlling the stream. What? At one point, you had about 100,000 people all typing in commands for this game. So the entire audience are playing Pokemon was such a goddamn shit show, but it's a fucking goldmine for memes.
1: That has... uh...
0: Fucking religions have started over this.
1: (laughs) Excuse me, what? Pardon?
0: Remember when you go to Mount Moon, you had to choose between the dome fossil and the helix fossil? Yes. They chose the helix fossil. And because so many people are putting in commands, it would accidentally use up items in their infantry during battles up until the helix fossil was the top item. So constantly in battle... Twitch Plays Pokemon would open their inventory and look at the Helix Fossil completely meaninglessly. So the joke then became that they were consulting the Helix.
1: Ah, and, right. And
0: Lord Ominate was advising them on what to do.
1: Genuinely, I was really worried you were going to say they used up the Helix Fossil and lost it. No. You get to a point where you can revive one of the fossils. I think I got an nominate and it's so cute. It's a little squid thing with a shell. Right, I'm looking forward to watching this Oh god, you'll have
0: so much fun learning about twitch Pokemon.
1: It does sound like a complete shit show.
0: But twitch Pokemon is a great example of how Pokemon still has this legend around it that goes about to this day. And that's with the original versions. But it'll be something for us to watch in our own private time. That's your homework, kids. You've got to go home and learn about Twitch Plays Pokemon. There's a lot about the ethics of Pokemon that I think does need to be acknowledged, if nothing else.
1: Yes. I'm sure you will have all heard of the strange campaign that Peter did. The Pokemon were in chains. There's blood everywhere. They were taken it a bit far. Like, come on, guys. It's a kid's game. like leave them alone there is also something to be said about the ethics of collecting pokemon that could make you think about well what's the ethics in you know having pets
0: i don't think it's wrong to point out that the ethics of pokemon are fucked absolutely they are both pets work animals and battle animals
1: which what i will say is that domestication of animals has pretty much been that
0: I know, and as a society we've all agreed that battle animals are kind of a bit sick.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I think that needs to be acknowledged. I don't think Peter are wrong to acknowledge it.
1: Oh no, absolutely.
0: At the same time, it's a kid's game. These aren't pets, these are monsters.
1: Yeah, like, come on, guys, I'm pretty sure you've got bigger fish to fry. I get it!
2: Get it! Oh get out. <laughs>
1: I'm so proud of that joke, I came up with it this morning.
0: We did get our very first email in to talk about this game. Oh, lovely. Catherine wrote in to say, I remember being 12 years old and playing the Pokemon Crystal game on my Game Boy Color with my younger brother. I was in awe of all the cute designs and monsters like Clefairy and Cyndaquil, the pixelated Japanese inspired scenery, and I was really invested in the storyline of the video game. Fast forward to 15 years later in 2016. I'm an adult, a month on an autistic son, and I was in a dead-end relationship. I picked up my DS and played Pokemon Heart Gold and started a new game. I was not only transported back to my childhood, but since this was a remake of the original Gold, Silver and Crystal game, the details were clearer and looked great. At the end of the day, Pokemon is a game that seems daft on the outset, but when you sit down play it and watch your Pokemon grow and evolve, it resonates with a lot of people including myself. Because that's what we do as people. We grow, learn. And many of us mentally evolve moving forward to be the best we can be. So, as you can see there, this game absolutely has emotional resonance for people.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can see that.
0: I understand also when. I'm sorry, Catherine, but I just have to condense that a lot because you did write a very long, beautiful thing talking about how it helped her understand her son's autism diagnosis. I do deeply appreciate the sentiment there. With the Pokemon games, there's a real connection it can help you when you can just play pick up something that's very familiar
1: playing the games and watching the shows and films that you grew up with it's a good way to return to like a bit of a safe place
0: yeah, absolutely and pokemon for a lot of people is that comfy pair of slippers you can slip into and just feel warm and wonderful
1: yeah so i'm i'm myself a autistic mm-hmm. so i understand with being in the spectrum being neurodivergent you can get like a fixation on things that bring you joy and for a lot of people it's video games tv shows films and we tend to come back to those things repeat it a little bit because it's that source of comfort and it gets us through i think this applies to you know neurotypical people as well returning to something that brought you joy during a really difficult childhood of course you're gonna you're gonna have like a rush of feeling good about that
0: thank you so much for sending that letter in catherine it's actually very sweet i'm always loving to hear other people's stories about pokemon so now we're going to come back to the doing pokemon and we're going to go through our three gen questions
1: yeah let's do the three gens
0: so with last gen did the game live up to your expectations
1: I don't know, I was expecting a bit more story because, you know, that's what I look for in an RPG. But, yeah, I appreciate it for what it is.
0: So it didn't live up to your expectations then?
1: Um, yeah, in a way.
0: Okay, okay. to current gen. Do you feel it holds up as a classic and would you change anything about the game?
1: I think it does, yeah. Mm. It's aimed at kids. Adults and stuff can still play it and mm-hmm. enjoy it, but it's mostly aimed at kids and, you know, for what it is, you going through the Pokemon world, having fun, collecting a whole bunch of really cute pets and all sorts of things. I can imagine that me would have probably had fun with it. You know, once I mastered the gameplay, which actually is quite straightforward as well. Yeah, I think it definitely does hold up as a classic. What I will say is that I don't know how much it's needed considering there are more modern remakes. It was needed at the time, but For playing it now, I've got a feeling that I think it's been remade.
0: They have done another remake called Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu that brings in some of the mechanics from Pokemon Go into the main franchise.
1: Yeah, and I mean, when you've got that on a more modern console, you're less likely to go and buy a secondhand Game Boy with an old game on it Mm -hmm. i say definitely is worth your time but i can understand when there's more modern ones you might not bother
0: that kind of bleeds into the next gen question would you recommend it to a newcomer and are you interested in trying other games in the franchise
1: i do recommend it to a newcomer but i can understand for the reasons i've just said why you probably won't I do want to try other Pokemon games in the future because I want my Pokemon to undergo the Odyssey. I want them to go on the perilous journey into the new games because I, you know, as I've said, I've built a rapport with them. There's a bond there. Also, I don't want to have to like waste too much time training up loads and loads of Pokemon. I don't want to have to start all over again.
0: You will have to because you can only ever import Pokemon at the end of the game.
1: True. That's very true.
0: I don't think we're going to ever touch any of the other mainline Pokemon games in this franchise.
1: Yeah, not in the podcast anyway.
0: So feel free to play them on your own time.
1: Yeah, I probably will.
0: But I do think at some point we have to come back to the Pokemon world to play Pokemon Snap as it's a very different type of game and there's nothing else like it.
1: Yeah, uh, that that sounds one that when I was very dubious about the ethics of the Pokemon games which I can get I thought I probably prefer to play Pokemon Snap because you're not capturing them. You're seeing them in the wild and mm. getting photos of them, mm-hmm. which is, you know, just as fun.
0: Right. On to our next episode. After this fun little trip into the 2000s, we're going back to the 90s with our next title. In our first episode, we took a look at gaming's biggest mascot of Super Mario. But for the next game, we're going to look at how the competition stepped up to our jump man and tried to look cool in the process. For our next episode, you and I are getting on our running shoes, start drawing our original characters, and we're going to take a look at Sonic the Hedgehog too. Whoa! <laughs> we would love to feature your thoughts and experiences of the game. Please send your emails to starterquest at gmail.com or send your tweets to at starterquest with the hashtag starterquest with your thoughts on the internet's favourite punching bag of Sonic the Hedgehog and his weird furry friends. And we'll try to read out a few on our next episode. Yes. Thank you very much for listening. Please take your time to leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice. Always helps us get noticed. Before we go, though, I just want to quickly turn to Jen and give you a chance to tell the fine listeners of where they can find you when you're not talking about video games on here.
1: I write. I write a lot. I set up a website about five years ago, jenhugheswriting.com. I have a whole bunch of stories and poems and blog posts and you'll be able to see kind of, you know, what else I do outside of this podcast. You can follow my social media. My Facebook is Jen Hughes Writing and my Instagram is also Jen Hughes Writing.
0: Keeping it simple. I like this.
1: Keeping it simple. As simple as I can anyway.
0: I want to also very quickly give a thank you to Mark who's been helping me edit this and the previous Secret Monkey Island episode. Thanks so much, man. I also thank D.D. of N. for this episode's theme song, What Type Are You? Available over at ocremix.org. Until next time, we'll be running back to the world of platforming. There will be a goodbye from me, Alessandro.
1: And me, Jenkins. Quest completed!